Hey, what up? This is Black Simba. This is the 13th podcast of the Scattered Hebrew series. And I'm going to go over the tribe of Naphtali. Uh, the tribe of Naphtali in Genesis 49:21, it says, Naphtali is a deer let loose. He uses beautiful words. And um, Naphtali was a tribe of the house of Israel. So I do have a podcast on the house of Israel. Um, if you haven't listened to it, uh, listen to that first, if you can. And then... Um, come back to this one and and you can get into this one it'll give a little more insight into it but um naphtali was the sixth son of jacob his mother bilhah was the maid servant of rachel and he is the full blood brother of dan uh, naphtali means my wrestling so um rachel named him this because of her competition with leah in having children Naphtali also was one of the ten tribes that migrated over into the Americas from Assyria. Um, the tribe eventually settled all throughout the Pacific Islands. Um, Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Samoa, Hawaii. So um, all those, um, all those uh, indigenous Pacific Islanders we're looking at. Uh, this is why they're likened to a deer let loose. Because um, they sailed from South America and colonized great civilizations all throughout these Pacific Islands. And because of their carefree personalities. Um, I brought up genetic correlations before in uh, the Tribe of Reuben podcast uh, between South American indigenous and indigenous Polynesian or Australians sharing gene sequences. Um, in Deuteronomy, Jacob prophesies of Naphtali, says, um, and of Naphtali he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full with the blessing of the Lord, Possess thou the west and the south. And that's Deuteronomy 33, verse 23. Now here in this passage, it says, Thou the west, which in Hebrew is the word yam, uh, which is the Strong's H3220. This means a large body of water westward. And he adds that it would be south, uh, as in the South Seas. We know that Jacob was talking about where they would end up in the end times because they were literally part of the northern kingdom in Israel which obviously isn't south, and they didn't even border the sea. Pacific Islanders are also known for their beautiful words, um, such as aloha, which is hello of the Hawaiians, um, kia kaha, uh, stand strong of the Aotearoa, and fa malosi, be strong by the Samoans. Hawaiian indigenous customs corresponding to Hebrew writings included man being made from the dust of the earth, stories strikingly resembling the Hebrews, Joseph the dreamer being sold into slavery before rising to prominence, as well as a story of a man being swallowed by a large fish and later was cast out on dry land. Um, that's from uh, Manly Hopkins, uh, Hawaii, the past, present, and future of its island kingdom, an historical account of the Sandwich Islands, Polynesia. And that was published 1862. 
Uh, many European explorers who came across these peoples also came to the same conclusion of them being exiled Hebrews from the House of Israel. Ivan Champion journaled this telling experience from a New Guinea exploration. So he says, out of the crowd stepped a short, stocky man with Jewish features, huge chest and shoulders, wearing the customary cassowary plumes and Job's tears. He embraced me, saying, Num sino sino sine. He then banged his chest with his open palm and made a sweeping flourish with his arm, which included the people, the village, and the surrounding country, then stopped and with his closed fist struck the ground, at the same time exclaiming loudly and in a high-pitched voice, Bolivit, Bolivit, Bolivit. He rose and patting my chest, pointed to my carriers, and then patting his chest, pointed to his people taking, talking the while, meaning that as I was the chief of my people, he was chief of Bolivit. I looked at my subjects and then at his, and I must admit that I envied him. So that was, uh, that's from Explorers and, and Company in Interior New Guinea, 1872 through 1928. So what struck me about this immediately is, um, he says, uh, a man with Jewish features, um, what this means exactly remains a mystery. However, it it's clear whatever this term means was widely understood in Ivan's present day. Um, if you go online and you look at these um, the articles that I have that uh, correlate to the podcast, you'll see uh, pictures. But there's a picture from that book where um, someone drew the uh, the incident when they when they first met. Um, between those two and they, there's an actual picture of them both sitting on a rock so you can see what um, what the man looked like that he perceived with Jewish features um, in any case uh, Jacqueline Rao notes similarities of Fijian culture to Judaism as well so she says and in some cases receiving ordination into the Methodist ministry the degree to which Methodist Christianity is linked to the land uh, Vanua, and the chiefly system has been the subject of considerable anthropological study in recent years. Jacqueline Rao notes that the idea of a holy covenant between God, the chiefs of Fiji, in relation to the Vanua resonates with the Old Testament message of the Jews as God's chosen people. Furthermore, this view claims that Fijian chiefs are chosen directly by God to be supreme leaders and authorities in Fiji. And that's from Creating Religious Childhoods in Anglo World and British Colonial Contacts, 1800-1950. Um, here the term Vanua, or Vanua, is used, the, um, the term itself means the land area one is identified with. In detail, it also means um, the Fijian term Vanua, which is land, has physical, social, and cultural dimensions which are interrelated. It does not only mean the land area one is identified with and the vegetation, animal life, and other objects on it, but it also includes the people, their traditions and customs, beliefs and values, and the various other institutions established for the sake of achieving harmony, solidarity, solidarity and prosperity. It provides a sense of identity and belonging. And that's from uh, Asesla Ravuvu. Um, Director of Pacific Studies at the University of the South Pacific. 
um, Professor Avuvu was appointed to the Fijian Senate by the Great Council of Chiefs in 2001. So being considered African-American myself, I have to say that uh, the statement really resonates with me. Um, it, it doesn't just mean their land, it means their culture, their heritage that they're from. So that's definitely something that I feel like is relatable. Um, the character traits and associations to lost tribes of Israel were thoroughly studied among Polynesian Islanders as well. Uh, this piece says, there can be no doubt that the Tonganese religion bore in several particulars a striking resemblance to the ritual and economy of the Jewish ceremonial law. Indeed, this similarity prevails more or less in the various groups of Polynesia. Nor can it be denied that many of the inhabitants have strongly marked Jewish features, but it requires further research and more proof before we can adopt the conclusion some have come to that any portion of the people are of Israelitish extraction. A few of these points of resemblance may here be specified as a matter of interest. 1. There obtained among the Tonganese a regular division of time into months and years, these divisions being worked by the recurrence of sacred seasons and public feasts which were observed with religious ceremony and were under the sanction of the most rigorous laws. It is also remarkable that the Tonganese have some knowledge of an intercalary month, the use and disuse of which have led to many discussions among themselves. 2. The entire system of tapu, by which times persons and places or things were made sacred and the many religious restrictions and prohibitions connected therewith, may be easily interpreted as a relic, much which changed and corrupted from the ceremonial observances of the Jews. 3. The great fest of the Inaji, or offering of first fruits to the gods every year, seems a custom of religious ceremony of purely Jewish origin. 4. The same way, the same may be said of the rite of circumcision, which was regularly practiced by them. An uncircumcised person was considered mean and despicable, and the custom has only disappeared in recent years. 5. Every person and thing that touched a dead body was considered unclean, and remained so until after the elapse of a certain number of days. During that allotted time, those whose duties compelled them to do the rites of burial were not allowed to feed themselves or to touch the food prepared by others. They were therefore carefully fed by attendants. 6. Females after childbirth and other periods of infirmity were enjoined strict separation and were subjected to ceremonial purifications. 7. Tonganese had, site, had cities of refuge corresponding to those instituted among the Jews. The uses and functions resembled in some of their features those of the, the Mosaic law. The Taula, or priest, was supposed to become inspired by the god as his shrine, or representative, while receiving and answering the prayers and sacrifices of the worshippers. These were offered through the fail or attendant upon the Taula, and it was also his duty to maintain the god house, or temple, in due repair and order. So all those are from Thomas West, 10 years in South Central Polynesia, being reminiscence of a personal mission to the Friendly Islands and their dependencies, 1865. So here in this journal, we again have another explorer mentioning Jewish features, indicating these are well-known traits among those people in this, uh, in this area. Um, definitely very interesting to note. Um, 
Some of these explorers even came to the conclusion themselves that the Pacific Islander Hebrews were associated to the Native American Hebrews. Andrew Jensen ponders this theology after reading early journals on the Polynesians as he was traveling through the Pacific Islands himself. So he says, in perusing literature on the Polynesian race, I find that several authors refer to the apparent similarity between some of the characteristics, religious ceremonies, etc. of the Polynesians and the ancient Jews or Israelites. They also generally favor the theory of a common origin and close relationship between all the brown-colored inhabitants of Polynesia, including those of the Hawaiian Islands, Samoa, Tonga, New Zealand, the Society Islands, the Tuamatu Archipelago, and other groups lying between New Zealand and America. Though most whites try to advance the cries for an eastward immigration from Asia and the East Indies, they all have to acknowledge that the proofs are lacking to sustain the same. So that's Andrew Jensen, uh, Jensen's Travels, Sunday, August 25th, 1895. So just as many of the Judai, Judai brethren, some Pacific Islander Hebrews eventually succumbed to the Pacific slave trade and were taken away to cotton or sugar plantations in towns in Queensland, Australia, um, Fiji, Samoan Islands, um, and other places. Although it hadn't occurred to me, um, after learning more about the Pacific, the Pacific slave trade that was happening during the 19th and um, early 20th centuries, uh, they considered it uh, blackbirding, which you can look that up, but uh, that was the term um, as these uh, Pacific Islanders were, were being kidnapped. Um, but blackbirding was very prevalent from 1847 to 1904. Uh, also, it made more sense why the ocean is identified when talking about slave trades, uh, since both the Atlantic and Pacific were both used to move slaves by the Gentiles. Um, kidnapping islanders uh, by enticing them onto ships and then imprisoning them to make them um, to take them to be sold elsewhere. Uh, so, by the end of the 1870s, Queensland had earned a nickname, the Second Louisiana. The Confederate States of America had lost the American Civil War to the Union in 1865, and some ex-Confederates had left to South America and other places to try recreating their empire, built off of Hebrew Negro slaves. Gerald Horn described Southern Americans even establishing a branch of the Ku Klux Klan in Fiji in his book The White Pacific. So, um, again, if you follow along online through these articles, uh, you'll see that... Um, the depictions of these people and they are certainly dark-skinned woolly-haired um, which is consistent with what we've been talking about but even through the pacific islands so just as we saw among the native american civilizations and clearly within portions of africa where the judite hebrews were hiding so just like with the united states and the 13th amendment scott hamilton wrote about the 1872 reforms institutionalizing slavery rather than abolishing it he then states, I was beginning to look at Auckland differently. How many of the city's grand 19th century buildings, the places that are now art galleries, museums, or five-star sanatoriums, had been the prisons of imported laborers? How many wharves and boatyards had been laid out with profits from blackbirding? And where were the plaques, museum, exhibits, and accounts of this history? 
That's Scott Hamilton, The Stolen Island, Searching for a Ta, 1863. He also wrote about the outrage of these slaves being brought into town at the time by the New Zealand Herald, saying, No one can pretend these niggers are here of their, of their free will. And that's from the same book, Scott, uh, Scott Hamilton's book, uh, The Stolen Island, Searching for a Ta. So unfortunately, it seems that they were more upset with their culture than them being enslaved and brought to another land against their will. As they stated, the, uh, and this is in the book as well, uh, manners and habits of these woolly, of these woolly barbarians uh, being the ultimate offense. Um, and that's from the same book, The Stolen Island by Scott Hamilton. Some may question whether blackbirding should be defined as slavery, since some were paid and some signed contracts to work. Although this is true, this does not disqualify their slave-like conditions they lived in, and they were all well underpaid compared to European workers. The six pounds per annum for first-year workers was a fixed rate for 40 years, despite wage inflation elsewhere in Queensland. We also see that it is clearly racially driven hatred and contempt going on with the captives indentured or indentured servants. Um, here that echoes a sound familiarity on the other side of the world in the United States. So although much of the tension between Hebrews and Gentiles seems associated to skin complexion, I don't believe that's the heart of the issue, um, which I'll go into more in the conclusion um, uh, podcast.